A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 45 to 52. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway, painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And the disciples were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This is the word of the Lord. I bring grace, peace, mercy to you from God our Father, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, This week, as you just heard in our our, our scripture lesson, uh, the disciples find themselves in the midst of another storm on the lake and Sea of Galilee. If you've been following along with us here at Christ Lutheran uh, in our current sermon series, we've been working through the Gospel of Mark for the past 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks, Um, and we're going to continue to do that. And Today we're in chapter 6, but just two chapters beforehand, there we found them in the boat again in a, in a, in a sea, uh, in a storm uh, where Jesus calms that storm by speaking peace into that storm. And so this week, here they are again in a similar situation, but this time Jesus isn't with them. Instead, this is a, a journey that Jesus has told them to go on uh, by themselves. And um, the thing is, is that uh, with all the commotion and all of the bewilderment and the utterly astounded, as you heard in the uh, 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 scripture lesson, uh, in all of that, um, what I came down to to sort of see this week is a message, a message that splits into two, a message of comfort and a message of a message of a warning. Um, But just to backtrack for a moment, back to the Gospel of Mark, uh, where we find that comfort and that warning um, if you were to read all of, all of Mark, which is what Mark would have intended you to do, not just to read it in chunks like we do today, but to read from chapter 1 all the way through, uh, not just chapter 6, but the whole gospel, is that at different places and times, um, there is this uh, uh, question to the reader. Uh, and it's, the question is, what do you think? What do you make of this person named Jesus. Uh, uh, because the entire gospel, all the gospels, all four of them, and are, are set up to reveal to you and to me who Jesus was and, his, and the truth of his identity and, and, and the depth and mystery of that identity of being God and uh, human. And so today we come in the storm, we come up to another one of those moments where there's a question for you to ponder and to think of, in a sense. But first, what we hear, I think, is a uh, message of comfort. What is that message of comfort? Well, in order to, to see it, I think, it, it requires the entire First Testament, the entire Old Testament, to have standing as its background. 
Um, surely you can say that, oh, Jesus walked on water and one day will walk on water or some cheesy sort of like, rah, rah, rah type of thing. But to see the depth of what's being communicated here, um, it, it requires uh, the, the entire background of the Old Testament showing you uh, who this man is and who the God is that he uh, claims to be and shows himself to be. And the first thing we see is that he walks over water, right? And like I said, that could just be, right, if anybody were to walk on water, it would definitely be God, obviously, right? It's not mere mortals. But uh, with the Old Testament in mind, all throughout it, we hear that this God, the God of the, the First Testament, the God of Israel, is the God who can walk on water. Psalm 77, 19 says, Your way was through the sea, your path through great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. In Isaiah 43, 16, my favorite passage of the Old Testament, Isaiah 43, it says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. That's just two examples, but throughout all of the Old Testament, in its prophecy, in its poetry, in its narrative, we see that God, the God of Israel, is the creator God who can walk over waters and the only one. So that's the first thing. One, we see Jesus. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? He's this God, this God in the Old Testament that walks over water. And then it brings us to um, this, this could be taken as like some funny sort of statement. He means to pass by them as they're in the boat. Um, and now, that Jesus is not trying to troll them and, and sort of walk ahead of them and show that he's better than them, I guess. Like, ha-ha, suckers, um, I'm going to get over there. Uh, but this passing by, this language in particular, that Mark is using that on purpose because it's bringing us all the way back to the Old Testament, to the First Testament. In Exodus, in, in particular, in two accounts of two prophets, Moses and Elijah. In Exodus chapter 33, we have Moses at Mount Sinai. What, what's happened prior to this is he's received the Ten Commandments, he's received the covenant between uh, 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 Yahweh and the people of Israel, and he goes down and he finds, Moses goes down from the mountain and he finds right away, right away that the people have automatic, like already broken the covenant. They've been faithless. They've worshipped Baal, a, a golden calf, and the tablets break. And so Moses goes back up the mountain and he's frustrated, and he's frustrated with the people. He's, I think he's frustrated with his call and his vocation, like, God, why, why are you making me do this with these people who can't even be faithful to something we just agreed upon? And so then Yahweh renews the covenant in this. But before he does, Moses says, please, please show me your glory. In Exodus 33, 18 and 19, Moses said, please show me your glory. Reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are in the midst of this storm, if you will, all of this craziness going on. In verse 19, and he said, Yahweh says, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Here on this mountainside, the Lord, Yahweh, God of heaven and earth, God of Israel, is going to 
pass by and does pass by Moses, revealing his identity, revealing who he is, gracious and merciful. And then the second prophet, uh, Elijah, uh, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah has sort of a similar situation going on. He's a prophet to Israel on behalf of Yahweh, and yet King Ahab and Jezebel, they have instituted an a, a, a idolatrous worship of Baal, and the people are starting to follow and worship Baal instead of Yahweh violating the covenant made between God and Israel. And Elijah proves the power, shows the power through God of Yahweh in comparison to Baal by destroying the altar. And you can read it all in, in 1 Kings 19. And, 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 and even though it's been proved, the power and the glory of Yahweh, the people are still faithless. They are still following King Ahab and Jezebel and worshiping Baal. And so Elijah retreats to a mountainside and the Lord comes to uh, 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 Elijah and says in verse 11, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before Yahweh. And behold, the Lord Yahweh passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. See, in both of these cases in the Old Testament, we see that God the true God, the God of heavens and earth, in revealing who he is in his truth and in his power and his glory, for Elijah in a small, gentle whisper, not an earthquake, not a fire, not a wind, Yahweh passes by to reveal himself. And so here on this lake, Jesus means to pass by them, to show who he truly is, and to show them, but also to show us who he is. And the disciples freak out. It tells us that they are terrified at the sight of Jesus, not because he's Jesus, but they mistake him for a ghost. See, they're kind of, they're kind of there. They're in the realm of supernatural, but they're missing the boat. They're still not allowing Jesus to be exactly who he is trying to show them who he is. And it's there where we get the third, I think, source of comfort in this text today, where Jesus says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. That take I, right there in the Greek, you see it in John, you see it in Matthew, uh, you see the I am statements all throughout John, but this uh, particular account of Jesus walking on the water, it's in Matthew, Mark, and John. And in all three of those cases, Jesus uses this language, it is I, ego uni, in the Greek, which is I am, I am. And this is taking us again back to the Old Testament, back to the name of God himself. See, the disciples think he's a ghost, and they're terrified, but Jesus, sort of in a way, kind of rebuking, sort of uh, correcting them, says, take heart, it is I am. 
And I am, we find in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses before the burning bush. When, when Moses asks the bush, uh, who shall I say has sent me? And, and out of that, the voice responds, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, I am sent to you. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And this is a statement that it takes a lifetime to really sit in and understand when trying to understand the nature and character and identity of God. Because it's a statement of total being and existence. I am. I am. I will be who I will be. That wherever there is being, existence, there is God. That God is not contingent on a person or a circumstance. He is self-sufficient, self-existent, present in all time and in all things, ever constant. And so what Jesus here, by walking on water, by passing by, take heart it is I, everything about this text is telling us that he is the one, the true God, the God of heavens, the God of earth, that nature does not uh, affect him, that he can walk through something that the disciples are painfully, the text says, in Greek it's torturously, out of torture, um, that he can walk through gently, sort of like a low whisper. And so for you and for me, the comfort in this text is that the storms that we have to struggle through ourselves, these are easy and light to the one who has made it all. Whatever storm that you find yourself in at this present day, whether it be in the relationships that you have between your spouse husband and wife and your family, between your daughter and your brother, your daughter and your, your son or your brother and your sister, with your mom and with your dad, your friend, colleague, whatever relationship burden you are in, that storm, whatever uh, 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 financial burden maybe you might be carrying, or you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, or you don't know how you're going to get to that next step, if you will, or health. Right now, I'm, you can't see me on camera. I've got a, uh, a boot on. I tore my Achilles heel a week ago. Whatever health complications and burdens you are carrying, maybe even, maybe even so much so the loss in your life, the grief that you feel, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, whatever it might be, whatever storm that you are in, Jesus here is saying to you and to me, he's saying, I am. I am the constant. I am there in the midst of it. And not just am I in the midst of it, but I can walk through it. Where you and I, it might be painful and it might be torturous. As this storm was torturous for the disciples going against the wind. For Jesus, it only takes a simple walk. That's the comfort. But there's also the warning of this text. And that warning comes in uh, how we see the disciples react to Jesus. Not, not, not just when they're terrified when they see him, but at the very end, 
And to me, there's like some comedy in this. I don't know. I, I always feel like I'm trying to make fun or find something funny in the text. And, and to me, there's, there's something funny about this. That, right, so Jesus is walking and uh, they, they're in the boat and they're torturously going through the, up against the wind. And Jesus, take heart, it is I. And he, then he gets in the boat. And immediately when he gets in the boat, the storm sees. And there we hear that they are utterly astounded utterly astounded, but their hearts were hardened, which also is an echo of Exodus as well with Pharaoh. But their hearts are hardened, and not because of what they just saw, but because of what happened before this, the loaves, it says in the text. And the thing being, it's like, the reason I think it's funny in the sense is like, as if Jesus sort of gets in the boat Everything goes back to normal. They were just freaking out about seeing a ghost, apparently. They freak out, and then all of a sudden, it's like they go, well, now that you're here, we really want to ask you a question about what happened uh, yesterday with the loaves. And for me, it just brings me to this point where I think, you know, Jesus has to be kind of to this point where he's going, why would you even ask that right now? I just showed you why and how I could do something like feed 5,000 people because I was just able to walk through a storm that you can't even make headway in. The warning is that we should not find ourselves to be like the disciples, that in the midst of our storms, Jesus is there, God is there, and he's working. The question isn't, is he there? The question is, what is he doing? How is he shaping me and molding me in this? And it's not that it's not painful. The storm is painful. It's anguish. It's, it's torturous. It's not that it's not painful. And I'm not trying to make light of the burdens that we carry. But the point is that God is in that storm. And the reason why we can then uh, 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 not be like the disciples, not have our hearts hardened, is because we can rest in the assurance of Jesus conquering the ultimate storm, if you will, the greatest storm. That is the storm of death. See, Jesus walked through that storm so that we could walk through every one of our storms with him. And that is the greatest one. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you do, no matter how much money you make, no matter how uh, successful you are in business or whatever you do in life, you will never be able to escape death. You're going to die. <laughs> it sounds so weird to say that, and I know it sounds morbid, but it's actually so liberating if you allow it to actually sink in. I think it was, uh, I, I heard it from Denzel Washington, the actor first, in an interview. He said, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. That whatever you have going for you today and in this life, whether it be good, bad, or ugly, it's going to come to an end. But what Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and as the, this God, this God, creator of heaven and earth, the one who walks through storms, he conquered the greatest storm. He walked through death and into new life. And the reason he did that was so that our hearts would not be hardened so that we could have confidence and assurance in whatever we're going through right now. Whatever it is, it will come to an end. It will come to a pass. But 
Will you see Christ in it? Or will you harden your heart? That is the comfort in it. And not just that, but we're not here alone. St. Uh, Augustine, in a homily on this text, uh, on Mark chapter 6, he kind of pinpoints all these different things. He makes analogies to all of the stuff in the, uh, all of the different sort of characters and items in the story. And when it comes to the boat, he calls the boat the church. The church, the people of God, the body of Christ. And, and that, in, a, in essence, is, is comfort to you as well. That Christ has given us his church. And that's where we uh, experience and come to know him, where he identifies himself and reveals his glory. He strengthens our faith through word and through sacrament, where we hear preaching and teaching, where we come to communion and remember our baptisms, where we're entered into the family of God. It's where we uh, come together as a body of Christ and we experience the presence of God through brotherhood and sisterhood, through study and through devotion. And it's ultimately where we are able to hear God's grace to us through our confession and absolution, through preaching, through the sacraments. And so that's my prayer for you today uh, and this week, uh, that you would uh, allow Jesus in your boat, in a sense, that you're in storms, no matter what storm you're in, that you would uh, heed him in whatever is going on, the winds, the waves, and uh, the thunder and lightning, that uh, you would that you would find solace, that you have a community, whether it be here at Christ Lutheran or the church community that you're a part of, that you have brothers and sisters in Christ, pastors, church staff, folks to pray for and over you, to build you up in the midst of your storms, and to point you to the one and true God who walks in and through them with you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. We pray with me? Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we ask that you strengthen our faith so that our hearts may not be hardened, that you give us vision to see you in the times of turmoil, in times of storms, that you allow your grace and your goodness and your conquering over death to instill in us a confidence and assurance that no matter what uh, our present circumstances are, uh, we can have confidence that your son has conquered and uh, moved us through them. In your son's most holy and precious name, amen.